Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Good morning, I'm John Hoffman. COVID cases are dropping in St. Joseph County, but the drop could be a little misleading, and at-home tests could be the reason why. COVID case numbers in St. Joseph County continue to go down, with the seven-day average down nearly 50%. But with unreported positives from at-home tests, that data may not be as accurate as once thought. Whether you picked some up at a store or got them in the mail, Free at-home tests have been a valuable tool in fighting COVID. However, for local health departments, that brings an additional concern, positive tests that go unreported. It's great that people have access to at-home testing so it can help inform their decision-making, and yet it makes it really hard to track the numbers. We don't have an easy way to report them, uh, and so we were left to kind of try to extrapolate and make our best guess. The lack of an easy way to report positives from at-home tests may mean that an Omicron peak from January 7th to 21st may have been higher than previously thought. We had 1,300 cases per 100,000 per week in St. Joseph County. Those are the highest numbers we've seen at any point in the pandemic. And yet we know that that was an under-representation because as many more people likely were infected in the community based on home testing or people who couldn't access a test at all, but were symptomatic. Dr. Fox says that keeping the health department informed of positive tests is crucial for the purpose of data collection. Children who test positive can actually help contribute to the data easily. You can call the health department and talk to one of our public health nurses, um, or what we've seen with a lot of schools is parents will report it to the school nurse if a child is infected, and then that that gets into the system that way. Whether the person who tests positive chooses to report their test, Dr. Fox stresses the importance of following protocols in the ongoing fight against COVID-19. They really need to isolate um, to reduce transmission, ideally within their own household, but certainly reducing transmission to anyone else at work or at school or elsewhere in the community. Dr. Fox says that even with cases declining, it's important to still mask up in crowded indoor spaces and to follow protocols. WSBT 22's Leo Goldman reporting. Throughout the last two years of pandemic, U.S. children have been through a lot, e-learning to quarantining and everything in between. But how is all of that affecting their academic progress? We're almost two years into the pandemic, and children have spent a good portion of that time e-learning. Local school officials tell me it's taken a toll on students behaviorally and academically, but they say there's plans in place already to address it. In-person learning is what many educators consider the gold standard. Yeah, Friday. From interacting with teachers and peers, there's a lot children learn while physically in the classroom. So he gave his special valentine to his mom. Mindy Higginson is the elementary instruction director with Elkhart Community Schools. Sitting still, listening, and working in groups are skills kids pick up on in class while getting instruction from their teachers. That's not, that's not 
<laughs> but after almost two years of on-again and off-again virtual learning, Higginson says those skills are especially lacking in elementary age kids. Some students uh, that, that really struggle could be a grade level or two behind. Um, there are other students that uh, were able to keep up and had support and were able to be successful at virtual learning. Students are also having trouble reacclimating in the older grade levels, according to Elkhart Community Schools Superintendent Steve Tallheimer. With our secondary students, just making sure that they're engaged and getting recommitted and understanding the importance of school. We had students who during the pandemic saw the attraction of just going to go to work. But this issue isn't just one school or one district. It's happening all over the state, according to an Indiana Department of Education COVID impact study. And the results showed that across schools, academic subjects, demographic groups, across the board, um, the study showed that Indiana students are experiencing a moderate to significant academic impact. The study cited the iLearn statewide assessment as an example of these impacts. iLearn measures student growth from third to eighth grade for math and language arts. 2019 was the first year of the exam. Take a look at the comparison in some of our area's largest school districts. 57.9% of students were proficient in these subjects at Penn Harris Madison in 2019. That number dropped to 47% last year. Goshen dropped from 33.1% to 24.5%. Mishawaka dropped a little more than 8%. Elkhart almost 10%. And in South Bend, 15.3% of students were proficient in these subjects in 2019. That number dropped to 7.5% last year. Assistant Superintendent of South Bend Schools, Rafi Nolan Abrahamian, says the pandemic hurt the students that were already behind. Nolan Abrahamian says academic recovery does not mean going back to the way it was before. For at-risk students who were particularly um, struggling with remote learning and, and struggling with attendance throughout the pandemic, um, we did see a, a severe drop and, and we will continue to feel the effects of that today. South Bend Schools has been creating more learning opportunities like Saturday Academies and Summer School to get kids back to in-person learning. They're also changing literacy instruction to help get the 30% of students not reading on grade level caught up. We also have to go well beyond that and ensure they have extended learning time opportunities over multiple multiple school years because that, that that's how long this recovery will take. For the older grades at Elkhart schools, the goal is to keep them engaged so they can graduate. Do you know this book? Yeah. Have you seen this book? Yeah. Okay. Higginson says a new phonics and math program are already helping the younger kids build the base for the rest of their academic careers. And hopefully as we get our kids back and staying in school full time, uh, we'll just keep building those skills as the weeks and the months and the years progress. Schools I spoke with say the academic impact isn't uniform. It varies from child to child. But they say the assessments are helpful in identifying and addressing those educational gaps. WSBT 22's Erica Finke reporting. Big changes to a proposal sparked outrage and controversy among teachers and some parents this week at the Indiana Legislature. We're talking about an education bill aimed at changing how and what your kids learn in the classroom. More than 200 people signed up to testify regarding House Bill 1134. The bill already passed the House and right now it's before the Senate. But not before Senator Linda Rogers from Granger released a proposal with sweeping changes. Educators are rightly very concerned about this bill, but it is the entire community that is upset. 
The original House Bill 1134 would limit what teachers can teach in the classroom. Now in the Senate, several changes have been made to the bill. Senator Linda Rogers said, quote, the changes I am introducing may not be where we end up on all of these issues. But I am offering them as a good faith attempt at a compromise that respects the valid concerns of both parents and educators. For weeks, teachers, parents, and community members have traveled to Indianapolis to testify on the bill. Despite the new amendments, many are still against it. They have listened to some of the concerns that educators have expressed, and certainly the amendments move things in the correct direction, but we still have concerns about um, a couple of aspects of the bill. One of those concerns centers around the legal protection and complaint system aimed at teachers, but changes that are gaining some support from educators include removing the requirement for educators to post a list of materials online. Also, school system would not be required to have a curriculum advisory committee, and teachers would be allowed to continue teaching history, injustices, race, religion, ethnicity. One thing that seems to be certain, this battle is far from over. This bill does not allow us to continue to have the relationships that we have with our current students, given how it is written. WSBT 22's Ashley Dagger reporting. Two low-income housing complexes in South Bend are set to be demolished and rebuilt. Both have long-running issues. From bugs to water pipe issues to gas leaks, people that lived in both the, the Shulman Center as well as the Monroe Circle complexes say it's about time. Closed for nearly two years due to gas leaks, the issues within Rabbi Shulman Building went beyond that. Pretty much the infrastructure of the building was done. Um, it was old, it was outdated, it all needed replacement. But it would cost way more to repair it than starting completely over. They say rebuilding there is needed. A significant uh, deficiency in one-bedroom units, and that's 127 one-bedroom apartments of affordable housing that is not currently online. Next door, the Monroe Circle units are in the same boat. Just the age of the building, the lack of long-term lack of management and maintenance, uh, inadequate repairs that have been made in the past led to the point where, again, we hit a point of obsolescence. Henry Turner III says they both need to be torn down. They need new plumbing. Uh, I can boil eggs, and then uh, at 15 minutes, I got orange froth on the top of my uh, boiled eggs. Housing Authority Executive Director Catherine Lamberg says they don't have a timeline yet for when they will be demolished, but they're already starting to offer relocation assistance. We'll be uh, uh, requesting from HUD tenant protection vouchers to offer them the option of either other public housing or a voucher to help them to find replacement housing. I'm just waiting on keys right now. They, they're looking out for me and taking care of me. Lamberg says work needs to be done at every property, but the Housing Authority needs to take it piece by piece. A recent assessment shows repairs for all Housing Authority apartments would exceed $70 million. However, this demolition is about more than the buildings. We've been working on rebuilding that reputation and the relationship with our residents over the past year. Uh, we recognize that their units have gone long-term without proper management and maintenance. The South Bend Tenant Association says these projects are much needed and they will help with whatever they can. But they're still concerned on how the Housing Authority will handle the moving out process. WSBT 22's DJ Manu reporting. A mystery this past week about the future of South Bend's housing assistant program. Last week, motels for now had life for another year. On Tuesday, St. Joseph County commissioners vetoed a plan to use $1.6 million in American Rescue Plan money to keep it open. They said, quote, questions have been raised. 
But at this point, it's unclear what those questions even are. The county council unanimously approved the money last week, and today I asked the council's president if they were going to override the commissioner's veto. He says right now, even the council doesn't know why the commissioners made their decision. Something has come to the attention of the St. Joseph County Commissioners. It's, quote, small enough that Commission President Andy Castellani says can hopefully be sorted out later this week, but it's still significant enough to put the brakes on Motels for Now's funding request. We want to make sure that we're acting properly because what could happen, the penalty could be if we are not acting properly, we could have to reimburse, you know, large portions of the funding that we've been getting. He says he would have liked to have tabled the request, but could only veto it. Though he didn't go into detail what the concerns were, he mentioned another housing dispute that's happening. The owner of the former Madison Center building faces violations for not having the proper permit to house people there. There were just some concerns with, um, there's a certain property, so the, the Dave Matthews property, I think that's kind of been Talked about in just some, I won't, I won't even say discrepancy. Sheila McCarthy, director for Motels for Now, doesn't know why the county commissioners vetoed the funding. She says the commissioners didn't ask her to answer questions about their concerns. It seems that even they weren't certain what they were doing. They asked to table it while they asked some questions. They had at that point asked us no questions. When they were looking for a location for their program, McCarthy says they got the green light to use their county distributed money to rent hotel and motel rooms. Derek Dieter's uh, claim that people at Niles Avenue are homeless is simply false because, in fact, everyone at Niles Avenue has a lease in their own name that they're paying for with their own money. Castellani is now saying the county can only do so much to help homeless people. They can provide funding, but he says it falls on the community to give additional funds and provide rehabilitation services. WSBT 22's Paige Barnes reporting. Lack of staffing and stress of the pandemic are among concerns teachers in Michigan are sharing in a statewide survey. Similar issues are being reported in Indiana and across the country. About 91% said they were either extremely or very concerned about the education shortages impacting all schools across Michigan. This survey proves what we already knew. Michigan teachers, support staff, and other public school employees are at a breaking point. The survey included all voices from pre-K through 12th grade teachers, support staff, counselors, social workers, therapists, and higher education staff. 91% said they were concerned about staffing shortages. 88% said there were concerns regarding student behavior and mental health. This is about ensuring that we have an ed educated citizenry. And in order to do that, we need teachers in classrooms. We have underfunded education for the past 25 years. The positions found most impacted by the shortage are 92% said substitute teachers, 86% said support staff, and 71% said classroom teachers. The survey also found that the shortage has created a problem in several areas of schools, including classroom prep time, the need for support staff, transportation issues, and administrators covering classes. This isn't a one-size-fits-all solution. There's there's a lot of different elements that have to come into play in order to address uh, a crisis that has been brewing for a generation, and COVID has really laid bare for all of us. The survey also found that increasing salary and benefits would help fix these concerns, as well as paying retention bonuses, replacing the educator evaluation system, and hiring more staff. Another possible solution could be from Governor Whitmer's education proposal. It includes bonuses to teachers and expands the budget for mental health resources.
WSBT 22's Ashley Dagger reporting. Views and opinions expressed are those of the individual speaking and do not necessarily reflect the views of WSBT Radio, its staff, or management. Join us next week for Community Update on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 